you have your Bibles this morning, would you open them please to 1 Peter chapter 4. On Sunday morning, we're in a sermon series entitled, Getting in Shape. Taking our spiritual flab and turning it into spiritual muscle. Now that takes a little time and it takes some dedication because you've got to go to the weight room. And we're going to the weight room. And we've been working out over these last weeks on some different machines that will turn our, our softness into steel. Now some of those machines you've liked and you've said amen, preach it, pastor. And some of those machines you have not liked and you've been strangely silent. Well, this morning we're going to go to another workout machine. It's called Getting in Shape with Service. The machine of service. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. The Apostle Peter writing under the inspiration of God to the church of his day and to us this morning. Says in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, as every man has received a spiritual gift, even so minister that same gift one to another as good stewards or managers of the riches, the manifold riches of God's grace. If any man has a speaking gift, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man has a ministry gift, let him do it as of the ability which God will give, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Not long ago, I received a card from one of the ladies in our church. And in that card, she said many kind things, but the thing that I remembered most that she put was this. Whatever I can do, anytime, anywhere, anything, just call me. Pastor, whatever I can do for you, for this ministry, for this church, anytime, anywhere, anything, I want you to know you can call on me. May I say to you, this lady has the heart of a servant. You see, she didn't know what I might would ask of her. But she said, Pastor, whatever you ask, I want you to know I'm ready. You can call on me. Now in our verses we just read, the Apostle Peter is talking to a persecuted church that was struggling about service. You see, service isn't just when everything's going your way. Service sometimes will be when everything's not going your way. Service is not always when everything's on top of the mountain. Sometimes service is necessary even when you're in the lowest of the valley. And Peter is writing to a church that's struggling under the persecution of one of the most wicked emperors that has ever lived. 
And yet he says to them, in all of your struggles, and all of your persecution, he said, I'm calling you to service. If I could summarize and capsulize and brevitize his counsel, what he's saying is this. If you're saved, if you're saved, you're a servant. No exemptions, no exceptions, no exclusions, no excuses. If you are a born-again child of God, if that's what you are, you were saved to serve. You weren't saved to be a boss, a CEO, a dictator, or a master. You weren't saved to be a fan, or a spectator, or a bystander, or a loafer. You were saved to serve with the understanding that sometimes in that service, I will suffer. Did you catch that? I was saved to serve. And sometimes in that service, I will suffer. You know, Jesus said, a servant will not be greater than the master. And Jesus came to do at least two things. He came to serve. Not to be served, He came to serve. And He came to suffer. Everything He did in His service, the cross was always right in front of Him. If Jesus became a servant, we're to be servants. If He suffered in that service, we are to suffer in our service if it be necessary. Now I realize what I just said to you is not modern day Christianity. I realize that we don't like to hear that word serve others. I realize we don't like to hear that word suffer for Jesus. Because after all, modern day Christianity says, it's all about who? Me. It's all about me. We've changed the Trinity from God the Father to God the Son to God the Holy Spirit to me, my, and mine. That's our Trinity today. It's all about me. And if you don't cater to me, I'll go find me a place at will. It's all about me. You do know the sun comes up on me. It goes down on me. And all the daylight in between, it's all about me. You see, that's what we're told today. That the Christian life is about happiness, health, wealth, and being catered to. That message is bombarded to us continually by TV preachers by the countless books that are in Christian, so-called Christian bookstores, and by the DVDs and CDs that we watch and we listen to. The idea is simple this. Come to Jesus, and you'll never be a hick, or you'll never be sick. Just have a dream, have faith, send a seed offering of $499, and you can have it all. That's our modern-day Christianity. Now, there is a problem with that, you know. It's a lie. It's a lie, 
made up by preachers who are full of baloney, peddled to people who are suckers who don't have enough sense to know it's full of baloney. When you were saved, and you and I were saved, we were called to blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We were called to serve others, not to be served. And we were called to suffer if need be. Now having said all of that, I'd like to share some principles this morning from our text about service. Now what I'm about to say is very simple. There's nothing new under the sun. It's just a truth being repetitively repeated that we might catch it and that we might do it. So let's look at our two verses and I want to share with you just some quick principles and then I'll make some applications and we'll go on home in the rain, okay? <laughs> Alright, let's, let's look at some principles. Let's look at principle number one found in verse 10. Peter begins and he says, as every man. He doesn't say most. He doesn't say a high majority. He doesn't say the selected group. He doesn't say the elite. He doesn't say the chosen. He doesn't say anything except every man. What's every mean? Every. <laughs> it means all of us. Everyone who's a child of God, saved by faith, washed in the blood, clothed in the robe of righteousness, every man... Every woman, every teenager, every boy, every girl has received a spiritual gift. We've been given spiritual gifts, ladies and gentlemen, that we might serve, not ourselves, but serve God and serve others. As every man has received a spiritual gift, even so minister that same gift to another. And then he goes on and says, because you're good stewards of the manifold grace of God. When you get saved, when I got saved, four things immediately happened. Just like that. They didn't happen in increments. They didn't happen spread out over a period of time. When you gave your life to Jesus, listen to me, four things immediately happened. Pop, 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 pop. The first was, the Spirit of God came in to you and I. We are indwelled by the Spirit of the living God. It's the Spirit of the living God that is in us that is bringing about the sanctification process of making us more like Jesus and less like us. That's what sanctification is. It's the making of a person to be like Jesus. You ought to be like Jesus more today than you were yesterday, and you ought to be like Jesus more tomorrow than you are today. Because we're indwelt by the Spirit of God. Second thing happens the moment you give your life to Jesus. You not only are indwelt permanently by the Holy Spirit, but you're sealed eternally by the Holy Spirit. A spiritual tattoo is put on you that only the Spirit of God can see. But you are marked as a child of God's, property of God's. You're sealed. 
You're identified as a child of God in the spirit world. Thirdly, you're not only indwelt permanently, you're not only sealed eternally, but you're baptized sovereignly into the universal body of Christ. I want you to picture a body. The head of that body is Jesus. But everything from the neck down is his sons and daughters, his children, who make up his body. And when you got saved, the Spirit of God not only indwelt you and sealed you, but he baptized you, which is a fancy word for put you into the body of Christ. You can't choose what you're going to be. He makes that choice. When you got saved, he might have said, you're going to be a finger. You're going to be a toe. You're going to be a shoulder. You're going to be a knee. He knows what he wants you to be. And he sovereignly puts you into the body of Christ to fulfill that part, that place. And then fourthly, now listen, we're indwelt permanently. We're sealed eternally. We're baptized sovereignly. And then we're gifted accordingly. Wherever his place for you is in the church, universal and local, he gives you spiritual gifts to equip you and to enable you to fulfill that place he has for you in the church. Does that make sense to you? If you're going to be a finger, he's going to give you the ability to do the work of a finger. Not the work of a shoulder, not the work of a foot, the work of a finger. So when you get saved, all of that happens. And it happens instantly. It happens completely. It happens forever. Now you might say, well, pastor, what's a spiritual gift? It's, it's a supernatural ability that God gives to do natural things for His glory. It's a supernatural ability that God gives that we can do natural things for His glory. And with those gifts He gives us, and by the way, there's 18 of them in the Bible listed. You've got at least one of 18. Everybody gets at least one. You might have multiple. But with that gift or gifts that He gave you when He saved you, He wants us to serve other people. It's not about us. It's not about our glory. It's about helping others advance faith in their life and in doing so, pointing them to the Lord Jesus. So we have been given gifts to serve others and bring glory to God. So if you're saved here today, look up here at me. You've got at least one gift. You've got at least one gift inside of you. An ability that God has given you, and He will supernaturally energize and empower that ability. That you can do something great for Him. Secondly, according to Peter, not only have we been given a spiritual gift to serve others with, but notice in verse 10, we are stewards of that gift. Notice it says in verse 10, as good stewards 
Good stewards of what, pastor? In context, the gift that the Spirit of God gives us. Now, what is a steward? That's an old fancy, uh, old-fashioned old word for a manager. Managers do not own anything. Managers are entrusted with something that somebody else owns. And it's the responsibility of a manager to maintain it or to increase it and certainly to protect it and to prosper it. And you and I were given a spiritual gift or gifts at salvation. And we're managing that gift that God gave to us on loan until He will take it back when we get to heaven. Now again, you have a spiritual gift. And we're to use that gift to glorify God, to build the church, to edify the saved, to evangelize the lost. It's all about this way and this way, not this way. And how we use our spiritual gift will determine the rewards we will get in heaven when we stand before Jesus. Do you realize as Christians we will face a judgment? We're not going to be judged for our sin. That was already judged at Calvary. But we will be judged for our service. We will be judged for our generosity. We will be judged for our witness. We will be judged for those things that He called on us to do and how well we did them. And we are going to be called on to answer for our service. Jim Palmer, I gave you these gifts. What did you do with them, Jim Palmer? Did you use them for my glory? Did you use them to help others? Or did you use them for yourself? for your glory, for your exhortation. You see, I'm going to have to answer to God for that. And don't you smile, you will too. Somebody sometimes says, how many ministers do you have at Miles Road? About 700 of them. Because when God saved you, He saved you to be a servant and servant's minister. Can I ask you a question? What are you doing? with your spiritual gift. Is your spiritual gift helping to build this church? Is your spiritual gift helping others grow in faith? Or be be introduced to faith? What are you doing with your spiritual gift? What am I doing with mine? Third, look at verse 11. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth. Now in verse 11, we're told that The God who gives the spiritual gifts sovereignly according to His judgment. The God who gives the spiritual gifts at salvation. 
the God who will judge us for how we use that spiritual gift when we stand before Him, is also the God who will give us the energy and the power to use that spiritual gift. The amazing thing about our Lord is this. He never says, go do something that He doesn't already do for us. You don't understand that? You, you really can't lose when you do what He tells you to do. Because when you go and do what He tells you to do, He's going to bless you. He's going to give you His ability to do what He's asked you to do. And whatever comes of it, He blesses you again for it. So many of us think that we have to do it ourselves. That's why we're so terrified. No, you just do what He tells you to do and He'll give you the energy and He'll give you the power to do it. And it says in verse 11 that if you have a, a speaking gift, because some spiritual gifts are from the neck up. They're gifts of the mind and they're gifts of the mouth. And when He gives you those gifts, He says, I will give you the energy and the empowerment to use them. And then most of the gifts are from the neck down. They involve the hands. They're serving gifts that were traditionally involve labor. And He says, if I give you one of those gifts, I will give you the energy and the power to use it and to do it. Whether your gift is white collar or blue collar, they're all equal and they're all needful. And you need to use them. And as you use them, I will give you the energy. I'll give you the power to do them successfully. Wow! His Spirit gives us the will and do of the spiritual gift. The problem is, so oftentimes we try to do these things in our own flesh and we get tired out and we, get, and we spin out and we get burned out. We have to use those gifts in God's strength. Verse 11 again. Now follow. Principle number one, we've been given a spiritual gift or gifts to serve others. We are stewards of that gift. We will answer to God for how we use it. Then thirdly, our gifts are to be used in, in the will, in the do, in the, in the energy and power of the Spirit. And then look at the fourth principle. Whatever we do using our spiritual gift, we get all the credit for. I'm just saying if you're awake. Some of you nod on everything. That ain't what it says. All credit for whatever we do with the spiritual gift that was given to us and the energy and the power the Spirit of God gives us to do it. All of the credit all of the honor, all of the glory goes to who? To the Lord. He says, is that your opinion? No. Look at verse 11. Let him do that as of the ability which God gives, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God who gives the gift desires the glory from the gift. When somebody comes to you and says, good job, Appreciate what you did. Man, I really like that. You know what you and I should say? Thank you. 
That's all you have to say. Thank you. Thank you. You don't have to give a long speech of how you don't deserve it. You don't have to. Just say thank you. And in your mind, be pointing upward. Going that way. When somebody says thank you to you, accept their thanks. But then you direct that thanks back to Him in the quietness of your own moments. Because you realize that whatever you are and whatever you have and whatever you do is by His grace. Now, I want you to notice now from these two verses, there's a challenge to you and I. Many people think the Bible is just a history book. Let's listen to what the apostles or the prophets had to say to the people of that day. <clears throat> but it has nothing to do with us. No, it has everything to do with us. Because the truth that God gave to those of that day is the same truth that God gives to us today. If the prophets were to come and speak at Miles Road Baptist Church today, they would have the same message for us they had for the Israelites. If the apostles came and spoke at Miles Road Baptist Church this morning, they'd have the same message they had for the churches of their day 2,000 years ago. If Jesus came to Miles Road Baptist Church this morning and spoke His message, it would be the same message that He gave in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to the people of His day. Truth never changes. And so what can we get out of everything I just said since everybody was nodding their head for some reason <laughs> as I was sharing those principles? Well, number one, we need to know our gift. As I, I move toward closure, let's think about the application. You need to know your spiritual gift. Okay? When you got saved, you got at least one. You might have got more. Do you know what it is? Do you know what your spiritual gift is right now? If you don't, how in the world are you ever going to use it properly? How are you ever going to use it effectively? How are you ever going to use it in the right place? A finger is a wonderful thing when it's on your hand. But a finger that's on your ear doesn't look too good. And it doesn't function good. How would you, how would you feel if you came in and I had a finger up on my ear? You'd say, man, that, that dude's something wrong with him. Listen, you've got to know your spiritual gift that you might understand where your place is in the body. And how God wants you to operate in the body for His glory and for other good. It's not about what you want to be. It's about where He wants you to be at. Now remember, a spiritual gift comes from the Spirit of God. And it's the ability to do natural things supernaturally. To do ordinary things with extraordinary ability. I told you earlier, some are white-collar gifts, some are blue-collar. Some gifts are speaking gifts. Other gifts are more manual, labor-type gifts. Now listen to me, they're all equal. Okay? Don't you look at somebody and say, well, he's got a better gift than I. No, everybody's gifts are equal. Everybody's. So, there's 18 spiritual gifts. If you don't know your gifts this morning, 
you need to go to those places where the spiritual gifts are taught and figure out which one is yours. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 gives us a synopsis of the spiritual gifts. And as you read those two chapters, you can say, well, I believe I could possibly have this or that. And many times the spiritual gift is nothing more than an extension of your natural abilities. When God saved me, I was a football coach. And God took many of the qualities that I had as a football coach and just transferred them over to the ministry. Many of you have natural abilities, and when God saved you, He just took the natural abilities that you already had, and He poured Himself into them and made them a spiritual gift. That's not unusual. People who teach in high school get saved, then they become a teacher in Sunday school. You see, it kind of flows that way sometimes. Most of the time it does. But you need to know your gifts. Secondly, not only do you need to know your gifts, but you need to use your gifts. Sometimes we get so full of things in our head that it never translates to our feet and our hands. We become so heavenly minded, become, we have no earthly good. Do you know your spiritual gift? If you do, then you need to be using it at Miles Road, in this body, and you need to be using it in the community. Everybody here should have two ministries. One ministry in the church, and the other ministry out of the church. And both ought to be making a difference. Okay? So, do you know your gift? If you do not, would you make an attempt to know it? If you need my help or Norman's help or any of the staff's help, we'll be glad to help you. Once you know your gift, will you then begin to find the place to use that gift in here and out there? Thirdly, as you use that gift, would you realize there is a difference between a volunteer and a servant? The church today is full of volunteers. Very few servants. You say, well, pastor, what's the difference? I'll be glad to tell you. Volunteers are in control of what they're going to do. Volunteers are in control. They're behind the wheel. They will determine where, when, and what they will do. They will determine how much, how often, how long they'll do it. They're in control. They're doing a favor doing this. And if you don't appreciate them, then they won't do it no more. Or they'll go do it someplace else. Volunteers have no responsibility. They have no accountability. 
They come and go as they please. Pay attention. The church today is full of volunteers. God has called you and I to be servants. Servants have no control over anything. They're under somebody else's authority. Servants answer to a master. They're accountable and they're responsible to a higher authority. It's the master who says where, when, and how. It's the master that says how much, how long, how often. Volunteers come and go on their own. A servant says, reporting for duty. We're called to be servants, not volunteers. And lastly, as we close, Do you know your gift or gifts? Are you using that gift or gifts in this church and in the community? Are you using that gift or gifts as a servant? Not as a volunteer, as a servant under the authority of God Himself. And lastly, do you know it's dishonoring to God It's shameful of you and I. If we're be servants and there's needs in this church that are not being met because we're not stepping up and meeting them. Let me say that again. Do you know it is dishonoring to God? It is a flat out dishonoring to God. It's shameful of us. To sit in a pew of a church, knowing that we have a spiritual gift or gifts that God has given us, that God wants us to use through the power of His Spirit in this church to fulfill the needs of ministry, that ministry will be unhindered and unhalted in the work of the Lord. Can you imagine what this church would be like if every single one of you looking at me right now, young and old, smart and not so smart, pretty and not so pretty, if every one of you said, I am going to become a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ at Miles Road Baptist Church. Can you imagine what we would be here? You know, it's embarrassing to have to canvas the bulletin every now and then for people to work the nursery when God has given us servants right here, right now, who could step into a nursery position and serve. You say, Pastor, I'm too old. No, you're not too old. I don't have experience. You can get it real fast. I don't know if I can do it, Pastor. You can do it. 
Because who's going to give you the ability to do it? The one who gave you the gift to do it. There's no reason why our nursery should lack for workers. In fact, we ought to have a waiting list to work in the nursery. Because every one of you ladies looking at me, and I'll speak mostly to the ladies, that's who we like in there. Every one of you looking at me, most of you have children of your own. So not only do you perhaps have a spiritual gift of working with little ones, but you also have the experience of working with little ones. And we need you. How, how disrespectful and dishonoring it is to God and shameful to us that we got to ask sometimes, can we get some nursery help? Are some of our nursery workers that are currently working have to do two and three Sundays? They can't come worship because they're having to continually fill spots that are left vacant. What about ushers? Every single one of you men ought to think about being an usher. You say, Pastor, I don't know how to be an usher. It's easy. Pastor, I'm terrified of praying up front. You don't have to pray up front. But we've got men sitting here today that have the ability, the gift of serving as an usher, greeting people, collecting the offering, helping people. You could do wonderful at it, but you won't do it. Why not? Our children's ministry. We've got one of the most dynamic children's ministry of any church in the state of South Carolina. I mean, it, it is thriving. But you know we need workers for our children's ministry. We have children's church, we have Sunday school, we got vacation Bible school, we got the Awana program, and far too many of those who work in these programs work in two or three or all four of them. They don't ever get a break. Why? Because we've got people who have the gift of working with children but won't use it. If your attitude is, I've already done it, I'm not going to do any more, then why has God got you here? Why not just shoot a lightning bolt out of heaven and take you on home? As long as you have breath, you have been called to use your spiritual gift to serve. And some of us have taken an early retirement. Some of us have made excuses. Some of us have made uh, uh, have, have other agendas. Listen, God saved you to serve. And serve you must. And serve, I hope you will. Heads are bowed and eyes are bowed.